Good morning and welcome again, everyone. Glad you're here to spend the morning. Uh, it's, an, it's good for God's people to get together, to worship him and praise him and gather around his word and consider his thoughts. Um, just a for information, you know, if last week's teaching caused questions or concerns for you, feel free to talk to Doug about them. And if you hear anything in any sermon, even my own, that causes you more questions or concerns, feel free to talk with the preacher. A dialogue or discussion can help me, the preacher, clarify things that may not have been as clear as they need to be. And it can also give an opportunity for us to challenge each other. Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And it also goes without saying that the elders of NCF want to shepherd well. And that means if there's opportunity for us to have a discussion of your joys and encouragement in your sorrows and explanations maybe of your doubts or concerns that you might have, we would love to enter conversations. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you give wisdom. You are the author of wisdom. You know how everything works together. You know what is best. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and kindness to us. We thank you for allowing us to know you. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We have little hope in ourselves to take care of ourselves, Lord. We hope in you to care for us now and through eternity. We ask you, Lord, to please uh, work in our hearts right now. Help us to set aside all the distractions of our lives. Uh, attention to what you might speak to us at this time. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, Doug talked about uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 and covered different aspects of wisdom, and I am going to continue with that discussion of wisdom and eventually even get a chance to go through a little bit of Proverbs, and, uh, which is the book of Solomon on wisdom. Um, now let's start with a puzzle up here. When you are young, life is fairly simple. You may not realize it that way, but it is. And when you are older and navigating life, it can be an awful lot like a puzzle with millions of pieces. And it can become really complicated and hard when you're trying to make decisions of what to do, where to go, what to say, how to live. You know, as we grow up, we start putting together our understanding of life. Our parents, our friends, our schools, our religion, even our desires and our experience ends up influencing how we decide things. And as we get to be an adult, we finally have to make decisions based on how we understand life to be, get, to be put together. How all that puzzle together in the previous years comes together. Some decisions we end up making go well enough, uh, but other ones don't. And sometimes we think, if we just knew more, we wouldn't make those foolish decisions. And yet there are plenty of people smarter than us who are still making foolish decisions. Charles Spurgeon said, to know is not necessarily to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are 
all the greater fools for it. How to, to know how to use knowledge. Now that is to have wisdom. Because we don't see the big picture like God does, we lack wisdom. And our puzzles, if you want to think of them that way, have a lot of blank spaces. And even there are pieces in our puzzles that we've put together that we've forced to fit, but they really don't. We need wisdom to have the puzzle fit life as God intended it to. Scripture says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so that means we can start down the path toward real wisdom when we not only believe in God, but respect Him enough to fear the consequences of disobeying Him. God has designed us. God's design has purpose. And to violate that design and purpose, you do that and it will not go well with you. You know, further down that path, we see that we are inadequate to do all the things that we think we should, even with our best efforts. In addition, many times we violate doing what we know is right, we, and we regret, and guilt can seep in, and we feel the need to do something to make things right. That happens with most every human being. And when that person gets to that crossroad, people go. Some move off into self-improvement books and gurus. Some adopt a religion of a list of to-dos to and don'ts in order to balance their sins and failings. Or they try to ignore God and choose to believe that there is no design so that they can get away from the guilt and anxiety and do as they please. Or they discover that God in his wisdom has made a way for them all along. In God's plan, that guilt and regret were meant to help us see we needed someone to save us. To we needed Christ to make us a new creation with a new purpose, with the Spirit of God inside us, prodding us and encouraging us to see life in a new way. A way that is wise because it is the way that we were designed to be. That way was Christ dying for our sins and setting us free and giving us access to the wisdom and the beauty of God. J.I. Packer said, Not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in the awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thought, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can divine wisdom become ours. Our guilt and regrets are evidence that we are not all that we ought to be. We are not knowledgeable enough or wise enough to do well on our own. And after you choose Jesus over your sin and get serious, he can help you Start to make real sense of life and grow you in wisdom. You know, recently I talked to a 25-year-old believer, a young man. And uh, back when he was 20, he said in all his wisdom, he thought he knew life pretty well and his priorities. And now, five years later, he looks back 
on that 20-year-old man, and he rates himself an idiot in many areas. Wisdom takes time. We all start out selfish and foolish, like this guy. Slowly, God makes the simple wiser. It just takes time. And yes, that's Debbie and myself back in college. Older believers who have learned from the scriptures and the school of hard knocks and have repented of their, I will do it my way, have some of this wisdom. You see, after you make enough bad decisions, you see how foolish you can be and how much you need wisdom from God. Solomon has said, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. That's those of you who have given your life to him. As we elders end up deciding direction for this church family, we try to set aside our personal prayer, seek the wisdom of God as best we can. Sometimes it takes us a while to get there. Fortunately, the Lord is patient. And leading my own family when there were kids, little ones, it required a lot of wisdom. And in James it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. There were many mornings when I got up to go to work. My prayer would be for wisdom for the day. Being a father was at times very intimidating. Placing myself under the leadership of an older brother in the church helped me during those years. He was a grandpa who had been around the block a few times and had some godly wisdom to share with me. And since today is Father's Day, I wanted to direct some focus on you young men who are recent fathers and also you young men who maybe not yet married but hopefully might someday be a father. So, to you young men, how wise of a father will you be? Was your dad a good example? Do you have any plans for how to be a father? Just going to wing it. You young men who have recently become fathers, are you realizing how big the task is to be a father? Have you noticed that you may be lacking wisdom in areas? And if you haven't noticed... Life will soon persuade you otherwise. God is going to use your being a father to grow you in godly maturity. And if you cooperate, that's what will happen. Just as becoming a good athlete takes training, discipline, and time, becoming a wise father does as well. It takes purpose. It takes... In my experience, taking advice from my peers who are winging it and just as ignorant as me, did not have a good outcome. There is wisdom in those who have age, who have matured in Christ, who have tried and failed, and who have seen others fail, and seen those who have succeeded and listened to God. The Lord has some advice for you 
would-be fathers, young fathers, and for all of us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. Three practical ways to gain wisdom. One, pray for wisdom. That's what the Scripture is asking you to do. Pray for wisdom. Sometimes this should also be accompanied by fasting, depending upon how monumentous your decision is going to be. Many of our decisions have long-time implications. Some don't. Second, study the Scripture now for the wisdom you will need in the future. I'll say that again. Study the Scripture now for the wisdom you will need in the future. You spent 12 years in school to prepare a functioning member of this society, and then you got extra training to give you a skill to be able to make a living on your own. Why would you assume that you could make wise decisions that greatly affect your families by winging it? Number three. Humble yourself and seek Christian guidance. Seek discipleship. In other words, borrow wisdom from someone who has already gotten it from the Lord. Young men, I have asked a few anonymous godly grandpas to write a letter of wisdom for you. And they have chosen the top. As these will be read in the back of the room... Listen for what you can apply from their experience. And as you will see, uh, the ones in the back of the room are not grandpas. Um, Listen and consider for a point of encouragement and challenge. Let's say that again. Listen and consider for a point of encouragement and challenge. To my son in the faith. The most important teaching you will give your children is the example they see in you. I saw that in my dad. He taught me honesty. I can't remember hearing truth. He taught me to be kind to others and treat them with love and respect. He taught me discipline. And while there were scoldings and spankings, he was loving and fair to me with the consequences. He showed me how to love a wife. He showed me obedience to God. He taught me to obey him so I would learn to obey God. He didn't speed in the car so I would learn to obey the government. He taught me with reading stories so that I would teach my children. He taught me to speak up and correct the cashier if they gave me back too much money, money that didn't belong to me. He didn't make light of sin that others were doing. Sure, you let your children see you loving others. Let them see that your life follows what you are teaching them. Show them how to give and receive forgiveness. A good example is worth a thousand words of instruction. A bad example gives them permission and excuse to do bad. But a bad example that is well repented of to God shows the humbleness they need and the mercy of God. You will be an example to them. Try to make it a good one. Listen and consider. To my son, I want to talk to you about the difficult relationships that you will encounter in this life. 
They will test your integrity. It has been my experience that the Lord will allow difficult people and situations in your life to allow you to grow and learn integrity. In my younger years, I felt that the best approach was praying for these difficult people and circumstances to just be removed from me. I thought that surely this could not be God's desire for me to, dis- to struggle and endure through them. It's so easy for us to get caught up in our natural desires for ease and comfort. But leaning on ease and comfort may actually be a stumbling block and a hindrance to building integrity and shaping godly character. As I grew older, back and reflecting on those burdensome people and events, I could see God's intentions and handiwork playing out, not only to build character in my life, but more importantly in the lives of those he had placed in my path. I'll tell you a true story that took place in my mid-30s. Like most men in that season of life, I was doing my best to provide for my family. I placed considerable emphasis on my spiritual growth and that of my family. I tried to be the best example that I could be with God's much needed help. Like most folks, I eventually had some very obstinate people placed in my path, one of which, whom I will call Mel, was not, the typical, was not of the typical variety. He was unusually hate contentious and downright awful in most of his ways. It was almost as if each day he was setting out to be a little more abrasive, confrontational, and annoying than the previous day. I was one of about three or four other coworkers that had to deal with Mel on a daily basis. We all hated him. Sorry to use such a strong word, but by the biblical definition, it would be the most accurate, since I'm confident that most of us had entertained causing him some bodily harm in our imaginations. For at least three years, I had to endure his hateful and provoking ways. On most of my drives to work each day, I would often be praying for him. I would also be praying for myself to have the patience to deal with him. Honestly, son, there were days when I just wanted to blow up on him and give him a good dose of Each day with God's help and likely intervention, I would somehow find a way to hang in there and show him patience. He and most of my coworkers were aware that I was a Christian. I put much effort into doing my best towards my work and trying to maintain integrity in my character. Honestly, I have almost as many episodes of failing as I do seasons of success. Having said that, growing in integrity became of the utmost importance to me. Not for the purpose of reflecting on me, but for the purpose of having an effective witness to those around me. In hindsight, I believe that many of my coworkers were watching and listening more closely than I suspected. Mel would sit across from me at the same table during our break times. Most of the time, he would just keep to himself, read his paper, do his crossword puzzle. Often, I would spend time in my Bible or preparing for a Sunday school lesson during our breaks. Literally, years would pass, with both of us carrying on the same routine. Little to no discussing or seemingly no interest in conversations regarding God, the Bible, or spiritual matters. At some point, maybe around the second or third year of us working together, Mel would make it known to me that he was an agnostic. He thought there might be a God, but just not knowable. Some time would pass, and some smaller, seemingly insignificant conversations would begin to take place. Little by little, the conversations would last a bit longer and go a bit deeper. As time passed, and after three to four years of working together, I would gather up the courage to invite him to church. Honestly, never expecting that he would even seriously consider it. But much to my surprise, he not only showed up at church and sat with our family, but when an invitation to come forward to repent of his sins came, he went forward sobbing. I was so emotionally overwhelmed that I could not even speak. 
I ended up having to have others lead him to Christ and pray with him. Later on in conversation, Mel would share with me about how he would set out to provoke and antagonize me in an effort to test me to see if I really believed the things I proclaimed to. Praise be to God for giving me the ability to maintain integrity, to be gracious and patient. Son, a wise man will learn from another man's mistakes. Likewise, a wise man will also learn from another man's successes. Having said that, here are a few pieces of advice and instruction that I would like to impart to you as you live your life before a watching world. First, people are always watching and scrutinizing our lives for authenticity, sincerity, and hypocrisy. Our character is either an advertisement for Christ or a reason to disregard him. Integrity requires a dedication to preparation, patience, perseverance, biblical study, and humility. Over time, God builds his character in us. And when it comes to sharing your faith, beyond God's reach, and it is not up to us to determine who will be a candidate for his salvation. Go ahead and one more. Listen and consider what you can take away. To my son in the faith, grandpas bring a unique perspective to fatherhood based largely upon years of lived experience with children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and the great oxymoron, adult children. The journey of fatherhood is marked by unspeakable joy and unbearable heartache, sometimes both in a single day. The encouragement and wisdom I offer is simply this. God desires to use your role as a father to make you Christ. It has taken me years to realize this simple, wise, but profound truth that God desires to use your role as a father to make you more like Christ. Do we desire to become more like Jesus? That desire starts with us spending time learning about Jesus, what he has said and done. It moves on to submitting to his guidance as we wrestle through life circumstances. And that will bring us into many conversations with the Lord about what he expects and who we are, what to rethink and change. What are we devoted to, ourselves or him? Here is something you may not know. Grandpas like to talk to themselves, find ourselves to be very engaging conversationalists with ourselves. There are notable, be notable benefits to talking with yourself. For many of us, it's the most intelligent conversation of the day. It's efficient, too. Experts estimate that we can process inner speech 10 times faster than verbal speech. And you don't even have to move your lips, pretend to be making eye contact or listening. What's more, you rarely get into an argument, and when you do, you always win. It's really great. Sometimes I invite God into this inner conversation. I call it prayer. Sometimes God interjects himself into the conversation I am having with myself. I'll be expressing my feelings and questions, and God will respond straight out of his word, at least that portion of his word that I have hidden in my heart. Not long ago, God inserted himself into one of these conversations that I was having with myself, and it helped me to grasp my role as a father. It went something like this. After all these years, I certainly deserve better than this. Do you really think you want to talk about what you deserve? I've sacrificed everything for my family, especially my children. To the point of shedding blood. My afflictions are more than I can bear. Oh, you mean these light and momentary ones you're talking about right now? I'm being persecuted for doing right as though I've done wrong. You are a blessed man. 
I'm suffering unjustly. As you do, be mindful of me. It's a gracious thing. Do you know what it feels like to be betrayed by those you love and who claim to love you? I do. I want to be steadfast in my love. Trials produce that, so it seems like you're on the right path. What about my reputation? Isn't that important? You mean who others think you are? I'm more concerned about who you really are. You know, on the inside. I just want what is best for all of my kids, to be proud of them. Well, you know what I think about pride, don't you? I don't mean being a braggart or anything. I know you love them, but don't lean on your own understanding for them. How about boasting more in me? Sometimes I don't know how I can keep on forgiving. Like I forgive you? I know. Seventy times seven, right? <laughs> math has never been your strong suit, but in this case, don't worry, it's not a math problem. It's a heart problem. I can fix that. I'm done. I can't go on. I've run my course. Good. Good? Yeah, good. You're done running your course. Get back to running the course I've marked out for you. And once you do, run to win. I'm tired. I give you rest. My love fails. Mine never does. I love you. Loved you first. It's not easy being me. So become more like I'd, I'd like, like that. that. And finally, we have a, uh, a letter from Grandpa, great-grandpa Solomon in uh, chapter 2 of Proverbs. So it's on page 528. If you want to look it up there, I will go ahead and read. You can follow along if you wish. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And again... Listen and consider. My son, if you receive my words and, my tr and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to my wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like, as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Again, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously reproach, and it will be given him. Would you join me in prayer as we close? Heavenly Father, uh, wisdom comes from you. You invented wisdom. You are the source of wisdom. We see with such earthly eyes 
you see the big picture. Oh, Lord, please bless us with some of your wisdom. Please remind us to pursue you. Please help us to rest in your wisdom and not in our earthly perspective, not in our fear, not in our closed-mindedness. Please challenge us. Please show us your truth. Help us, Lord, to become like you. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.